So we're glad you guys are here. Uh, tonight we actually are jumping back into our Best Sermon Ever series that I know you guys have been going through for the last couple months. And uh, man, I'm excited to see what God has in store tonight and what he's going to do in our hearts. Uh, in fact, let me go ahead and, and start off by issuing you guys a challenge, all right? Um, tonight we're going to talk about some really significant things that Jesus had to say. And... Um, and this has such incredible relevance to our lives that no one in this room can check out, all right? No matter where you guys are at tonight, whether or not you've given your heart to Christ, maybe, you're, maybe you've walked in this room tonight and you're still figuring this whole Jesus thing out. Maybe you don't really know what you believe or what God looks like or whether or not there's a God out there at all. Or maybe on the other end of the spectrum, you've given your heart to Christ, you would consider yourself a mature believer or anywhere in between tonight. Uh, I believe that God has some really significant things to say to every single one of us. So, uh, encouragement to all of us just to kind of stay locked in tonight and uh, just see what God has in store. So, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're at tonight, uh, starting at verse 25. If you guys have your Bibles tonight, look at, open to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles tonight, we've got them on the screens. You've also got the verses on your handout that you got when you came in. So, um, we're looking out for you. So Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25, and this whole series has been a look, and a lot of you guys are aware of this already, a look through what is is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, all right? Some really incredible things that Jesus had to say to the people, and uh, a lot of relevance to our lives. So we're going to jump in, verse 25, says this, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. All right, so Jesus' words are pretty simple here, right? Hey, don't worry. All right, hey, thanks Jesus. Just another command that you give us that's really easy to live out. Don't worry. All right, the reality is, this is that's easier said than done. All right, for every single one of us in this room, there are things that we worry about. There are issues that we face. There are problems that we deal with in life. And maybe some of you may be sitting in the room and you're like, hey, I don't really, I don't really worry all that much. No offense, but I think you're full of crap. Okay? Every single one of us in this room, there is something or multiple things that we worry or stress about. 
Now, maybe some of us in the room, it's a bigger deal than others. Maybe there are bigger issues or bigger problems or whatever that we might be facing. Maybe this is a bigger deal for some of us than it is for others. But none of us are exempt from this thing. All right? Living on this earth means that we encounter situations that we're not ready for. And so it's part of human nature to worry. Now, here's what I want you guys to do as we, as we kind of dive into this. I want you to take just a second. And I want you to turn to your neighbor, somebody next to you, behind you, in front of you, whatever. And I want you just to mention something that you worry about. All right, it can be something major. It can be something real small or insignificant. But what is something? Just turn to somebody real quick, just a second, and say what you worry about. We'll give you guys a chance in your group to kind of dive into that question a little bit, a little bit deeper. But that didn't take much, right? You guys already started talking. Maybe you're talking about just random stuff or whatever. But there are things that we worry about, all right? Here are some things that maybe potentially you guys or all of us worry about tonight. And maybe this resonates with you. Maybe this is an issue that you deal with or something that you really struggle worrying about. Um, For you ladies in the room, all right, I'm going to start off a little bit lame. Maybe for some of you ladies, um, you worry a lot about Bella and Edward and their their half vampire, half human baby. Which is a, that just sounds like a weird sentence, especially if you don't know what the heck Twilight is. Like, half vampire baby. Sweet. All right, maybe you're, you girls, man, at the end of the day, Belle and Edward have to be together. They have to, and we get all worked up and worried about whether or not that's going to happen. For some of you guys in the room, maybe you wonder that Justin Bieber will never go away. I mean... For all of eternity, you're worried that you're going to be listening to his music. You're worried that you'll never get baby baby out of your head. Maybe some of you girls are worried about that too. Maybe, since you guys are teenagers and this is a common teenager problem, maybe you're worried that mom and dad are going to ruin your life. All right? Yes, I hear some amens, some yeses. We worry that mom and dad, the decisions they make and the things that they tell us we can and can't do is just going to ruin our life forever. It's going to be over forever. Maybe you're worried, you know, prom's coming up. Maybe you're worried you won't have a prom date. You'll be rolling into prom stag, which actually you have the most fun at, I'm just saying. But, you know, the thought of not having a date for prom can, can worry you. Then maybe they get a little bit more significant. We worry about all kinds of things. We worry we won't make the team. We worry about failing a test or an exam. We may worry for maybe juniors and seniors especially. You worry about what college or career you're going to choose. You worry what the future may hold. Maybe we worry that our parents are going to get a divorce. Or maybe we worry because our parents have gotten a divorce. Maybe there's some of us in the room tonight that we worry that God really loves us. Is there really a God out there that cares for me? Maybe we're worried that somewhere we won't find our purpose or we'll screw this thing up in our relationship with God or we'll make a mistake or we'll fall short. Maybe we think more long-term about dying one day. Maybe we get worried about how we're gonna die. We're gonna get hit by a bus. Is it gonna be a disease? We're gonna get cancer. What is this gonna look like? And we stress and we freak out and we worry. And on and on and on. In a, in a moment of honesty, um, 
I worried a lot about this over the, over the last couple months of moving my family from a place that we loved and, and felt really connected to and moving here and going, man, what if this doesn't work out? What if my family doesn't feel like they belong here? What if it, we don't like it? What if they don't like us? You know, all those kind of things. There are, there are things that all of us worry about. None of us are exempt from this. And for the most part, those things are significant things. Right? We deal with issues and problems in our life, and they are significant things that we deal with outside of the half-vampire baby. But there are significant things that we deal with that we, that we stress and we freak out, and we don't know what the future holds. And then we read a passage like this, and Jesus says, don't do it. And we're like... Why? Why do you even say that? That seems completely impossible for me to not worry and stress and freak out about my life. See, here's the thing that that I think is important to understand is that Jesus isn't trying to minimize your problems or tell you that they don't matter. He's not trying to downplay the situations that you face or the, the significant problems or issues that you deal with. Jesus isn't trying to minimize what you deal with or the worries that you have. But what he is trying to do is maximize your understanding about something else. Look at verse 27. He says, can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? See, Jesus says that worrying does no good whatsoever. All right, you worrying about situations or problems or things that you deal with doesn't even add a second to your life. In fact, there's scientific research that shows that when we worry, it actually makes our life worse. It actually shortens our life. All right, there's research that's been done that shows that when we worry, we stress. When we stress, it causes health issues like heart heart disease. Um, It interferes with our appetite. It, it, It negatively impacts relationships. It impacts sleeping habits. So not only are there no benefits to it, but Jesus actually says, and the reality is, is that it makes our life worse when we worry. Which, ironically, makes us worry more. There's a couple things tonight, and you guys have your notes, and and this is in your outline tonight. There's a couple things that I think it's important for us to understand when we worry, when we freak out or we stress out about our life, what we're actually saying. All right, so there's a couple things. The first one, the first thing that we're saying is this. We're saying this situation is up to me to fix, not God. All right, what we say when we worry is this situation or this issue or this problem that we're dealing with, it's up to me to fix it, to find some kind of a solution, to end the problem. And so that's, why, that's what we say when we're worrying about it is that it's up to us to fix it, not God. Now, there's a passage in Mark chapter 4 that perfectly illustrates this. You guys don't have to flip over to that. But I want to read this particular passage. Starting in verse 35. It says this, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind. Although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. 
High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. All right, so Jesus gets these guys in a little bit of a mess. He says, hey guys, let's, let's bounce to the other side of the lake. Let's go over there. And so they do. They hop in the boat. They start off across the lake. And then Jesus goes in the back of the boat and he starts sleeping. And all of a sudden the storm comes and the disciples start freaking out. Now, I might be taking a little bit of liberty with this passage. All right, so uh, show a little grace here. But I can only imagine, being that a lot of the disciples were fishermen, that they probably try to fix this thing themselves. All right, storm comes, wind waves, howling. They're freaking out. The b- boat's about to capsize. They're in deep crap. And so they start messing with the sail and the mast. They may start grabbing stuff and throwing it overboard to kind of lighten the load. They might have in their fisherman brain kind of kicked it into overdrive and gone, what is it that we've been trained to do in this moment to make sure that we don't drown? And man, they tried everything. And at the end of it, when all hope was lost, they did what they should have done at the beginning. They went and they woke up Jesus. And it's almost like a plea for help going, hey, we're in deep trouble here. Jesus, don't you care that we drown? Don't you give a rip. You're back here in the back of the boat sleeping and this storm is about to kill all of us. You know what's interesting about this? You and I do this all the time. I mean, all the time. We encounter situations and problems in our life. We go through pain. We go through circumstances. You know, the, the world kind of, we feel like the world's kind of spit us up and chew us, chewed us out. And we're standing face to face with the storm. And life is out of control. And it feels like Jesus is in the back of the boat asleep. We feel like Jesus is kind of disconnected with what's going on. And we're out here going, God, are you, are you seeing this right now? Because my life is spiraling out of control and I can't do anything to fix it. And we freak out and we worry and we stress and we start thinking about all the things that we can do to try to fix the problem. We think, think of things that we can start doing or things that we can stop doing or whatever the situation may be. We start thinking through every solution to the problem. And rather than going to the God who controls everything, we stress out and we freak out and we worry and we try to fix it ourselves. And let's face it, I mean, that's how you and I are conditioned, right? That's part of the human nature. We deal with crap, we deal with situations, life sucks, and all of a sudden we kind of think through automatically, what can I do to fix it? And what Jesus wants us to do is come and go, hey, God, I need your help. 
I need you to step in here. I need you to do something. God, I don't know what's going on. This is freaking me out. And we come running to God. See, the thing that sometimes we don't understand is that all of our problems and situations and the things that we deal with get worse when we refuse to go to God. All of our circumstances, all of our questions, all of our pain, all of our fears, all of it gets worse when we try to fix it ourselves instead of running to God. But that's what we say when we worry, is that we feel like it's up to us to fix it, not God. The second thing, and this one might actually sting a little bit for some of us. The second thing we say when we worry is we actually say this, God cannot take care of the practical details of my life. God cannot take care of the practical details of my life. All right? Now, that one might hurt a little bit. You might immediately kind of put up a front and go, you know what? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just a little bit freaked out. I'm a little bit worried. But a lot of times, that's what we're saying to God. God, I really doubt and question whether or not you can do anything about this. See, it's all about faith. When it comes down to it, it's about faith. Look at verse 30. Jesus gets a little personal. Why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? See, what Jesus does is he makes the connection between our worry and our lack of faith. Often the issue of worry is not about how insignificant our problems are. The issue is how insignificant our faith in God is. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. The main issue that we have when we worry is not that we're downplaying our problems or saying they're insignificant. What it actually means is that our faith in God is insignificant. We trust God when things are under control and things are calm and normal. But man, you start rocking the boat and all of a sudden... our faith in God goes out the window. Now that's especially hard for those of us in the room that claim to be followers of Jesus. All right, because we like to kind of walk around here thinking that we've got faith. We like to think that we have faith in God. We trust God, right? We entered into a relationship with God in the first place by grace through faith. So we kind of walk around and we tell people we've got faith and we feel like we've got faith. And so when Jesus starts questioning that and going, why do you have so little faith? That's tough for us to hear. Because we feel like our relationship with God in a lot of ways is built on our faith in him. And we may walk around and we may tell people we have faith. We may say we have faith in God, but we don't trust him with our life. We say we have faith in God, but we doubt that he actually can take care of us. We may say we have faith in God, but we don't really prove it when it matters the most. See, having faith in in Jesus or in God is not just some warm, fuzzy feeling we get at rush camp. All right, it's not just some emotion that we kind of tie to ourselves and we hold on to and it comes and goes, but we feel like, man, when we're at church, we've got faith. It's not something that, that... that we just say that we have. 
Because real genuine faith requires action. It doesn't matter what we say. When it matters the most, the real challenge is do we actually have faith in those moments? When the wind and waves are howling, when all of that stuff is smacking us straight in the face, where does our faith in God lie? Do we go hiding in the back corner? Do we get scared? Do we try to run? Do we freak out and start worrying and try to deal with things on our own? Or do we continue to have faith in God? Because real genuine faith requires action. Real genuine faith requires us knowing who God is, submitting to God's will for our life, and then trusting him that he is good enough and capable to take care of our needs. Real faith can't just be lip service. It's got to be lived out in our life. Real faith has got to be one of those things where when all of the crap hits the fan, we go, God, I don't understand what you're doing. God, I don't get this. I don't know what you're up to. This hurts. This is, free. This is freaky to me. This is scary. God, I'm, I'm starting to really stress here. But because I know who you are, God, I trust you. God, I may not understand what you're doing. I may not be able to trace your hand, but God, I trust your heart. And especially in those moments where it is easy for us to worry and to stress and start freaking out, our faith in God is what has got to sustain us. Jesus goes on in that passage. He says, look at the birds and the flowers. They don't freak out, they don't worry, and yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. And then he says this, how much more valuable are you than them? How much more valuable are you to God than the flowers and the birds? And maybe that's one of those things that we really fight against and we wrestle with is, man, God, at the end of the day, do you really give a rip about my life? God, do you really care about me and the problems I'm dealing with? God, do I really look at you and know that you have incredible, infinite value for who I am? I don't have to do anything. I don't have to work for it. I don't have to earn it. It's not performance driven. God, you give it to me. God, I'm made in your image and you look at me and there is value there. And that causes us to go, all right, God, I trust you. I trust you. All right, so how do we actually go about stop worrying? All right, we know it's a big deal. We know it's wrong. We know Jesus kind of frowns upon it. So what do we do? I mean, it's not as easy as skipping around and singing, don't worry, be happy, or just tell, forcing ourselves to stop worrying. Culture says, hey, if you've got anxiety or worry, here's this pill. You can take it. That'll make it better. And I don't want to downplay anybody that you know, has that kind of thing or whatever, but that kind of masks the real issue. It doesn't really address the real problem. So what's the real solution at the end of the day if we're people that worry and freak out? Look at verse 33. Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. The solution to our problems is not, hey, stop worrying, just stop it, just knock it off. The solution to us is to seek the kingdom of God above all else. 
The solution to us is to make our need for God greater than any other need that we have in our life. That we put significant value and trust and God is our everything and we wake up in the morning and we go, God, I'm focused on you today. And we put our attention and our focus and our energy and effort and everything into who God is and what he's called us to do. That that becomes the primary focus for us. That drives everything that we do. That becomes the focus of our attention and our life is God's kingdom. God, I'm focused on you today. God, I'm seeking you today. God, I understand your character. I know who you are. God, I'm trusting you. When, uh, when I was in college, um, this, passage, this, in, this particular passage of Scripture came alive to me in, in ways I hadn't seen before. Um, and it was my freshman year of college. It was longer than I'd care to admit. Um, but I was a freshman of college, and I remember, I mentioned last week, I wanted to be a rock star and that whole thing, and you laughed and made fun of me and all that. Um, but we, for a couple of years, we would travel around, and we would, me and some buddies would go around, and we'd lead worship for youth camps and retreats and stuff like that. And um, there was one camp in particular, this church called in Texas, out in Texas, New Mexico area. And they said, hey, we want you to come out and lead worship for a youth camp. And so we're like, all right, cool. So I went to work that, that next day. And I had a pretty good job at the time. I mean, I was pretty thankful for it. I needed it um, because I didn't have much of anything. And that was, that was my lifeline, was my job. And so I went into work that next day and I kind of sat down with my boss and I said, hey, I need this block of time off. There's this camp we're going to and so I need this week off. And my boss kind of looked at the schedule and she said, hey, look, I'm sorry, there, um, we can't let you off that week. That's kind of our busy time. There's some other people out and so we just, we can't do it. We can't let you off. And so I kind of just, you know, walked away. I was a little bit bummed out, but I was like, well, what, you know, what can I do? I couldn't get off. So I called one of the guys in the band. I said, hey, you're going to have to call that church back. We can't do it. And so I was a little bit bummed out, but it just kind of resigned to the fact that we couldn't do it. The next morning, I was spending time uh, reading, and, this, I, and I came across this particular passage. And it was that verse, seek first the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. And I just remember sitting there and it was like, you know, those, those, those times and those moments where it's like God is audibly speaking to you. And that was one of those moments to me where I just knew I couldn't explain it. I couldn't get away from it. God just said, Todd, you need to call that church back. You guys need to go to that camp. And I put up the hands. I'm like, come on, God, you know, I can't do this. I tried. I tried to get off work. I couldn't do it. They wouldn't let me off. God, you know how big of a deal this job is to me. You know how important it is. You know the bills that I've got. Yada, yada, yada. Went through all the excuses with God. Couldn't get away from it. Todd, you need to be at that camp. You need to call the church back. You need to tell them that you'll be there. No matter what it takes, you need to be at that camp. So, and this kind of dialogue went back, you know, for what, what seemed like 10, 15 minutes. And finally, I just kind of threw my hands up. I right, God, I'll do it. And I remember getting on my face and was a little bit freaked out going, God, I don't know what this decision is going to cost me. But I said, God, I'll do it. Whatever it means, I'll do it. And I thought I could kind of go back to work and, you know, sweet talk my boss and let her let, her let me off. So that, that afternoon, I went back to my work and I said, hey, look, I know you said we can't, I can't have off that week. This is a big deal. Is there anything we can do? I'll work twice as hard the week before. What can we do? 
And she just said, look, there's, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. I can't do anything about it. It is what it is. You're going to have to come in that, that week to work. And I remember just sitting there going, all right, God. And I just looked at my boss and I said, then I, I, I'm going to have to quit. I'm sorry. But I can't explain it. I just, I need to be at that camp. And if you won't let me off, I'm going to have to quit. And I remember walking away going, all right, God, this, this better work out. I just quit my stinking job for this. Ended up quitting my job. Long story short, we went out to the camp. It was one of the most incredible weeks of my life where God spoke to me in some tangible ways. God used us in some incredible um, opportunities there. Uh, from a financial standpoint, God ended up blessing us. And I ended up making more at that, that week than I would have if I was working my job that week. I mean, God just blessed me. And on top of all that, that was the camp that I met my wife at. Now, you think, you think that that decision doesn't play into my mind almost every day. And especially when I come back to this passage and that question, what if? God, what if? What if I'd have said no? What if I would have put my, what I thought were my needs for my job ahead of what I knew you had called me to do? That week was, was an incredible experience. God blessed me financially, all that kind of stuff. But I met my wife. And I just look back going, man, what if I hadn't have been obedient to God? What if I would have put my needs ahead of seeking first the kingdom of God? Here's the main point for us tonight. You guys write this down in your notes. Our worry about our life decreases when our focus on God's kingdom increases. Our worry about our life decreases when our focus on God's kingdom increases. You know what I think God wants to say to every single one of us tonight? I think God really wants us to hear this. Do you actually think that I'm going to let you go? I have created you in my own image. I have numbered the hairs on your head. I knew every single moment of your life before you even took a breath. I gave my son away to die for you, to free you from sin's grasp. I've got you. Seek first me. Seek my kingdom first. Make me the most important thing in your life. Don't come to me as a last resort. Be the first person that you run to every single day. Don't worry, don't stress, don't freak out. Put me at the forefront of your mind and let me worry about all of the things that you need. Because I got you. Maybe there's some of you guys in the room tonight Maybe you've never gotten to a point in your life where you've submitted your heart to Jesus. Maybe you feel like, especially right now, or every single day feels like you're just up against the storm. 
and you're fighting back and you're clawing and you're trying to do everything you can do to resolve the problems and fix the, the issues in your life. And all it's done is it made, it's made things worse. And tonight may be the night for some of you that you release control of your life over to God. You stop holding on so tightly to the things of your life and you say, God, I belong to you. I give you my life. God, I trust you as my savior. And you begin to seek first the kingdom of God and watch as God begins to put the pieces of your life back together. But it starts with you giving your heart and your life to Jesus. Maybe if that's you tonight, I'm going to encourage you in just a few minutes, we're going to break off in our small groups and I'm going to challenge you to go into your group and if that's you tonight, to talk to your small group leader, to talk to your group about it. If you don't have a group, you come talk to me or come talk to Bradley, we'll get you connected into a group or we'll talk to you a little bit more about what it looks like to give your heart to Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Let's pray. God, for all of us in this room, this is, this is a passage of scripture that is a struggle. This is one of those things that we can't just force ourselves to do or fix our own problems or we look at some of the issues that we face, some of the situations that we deal with and our natural inclination is to stress out and to worry. God, I pray tonight for all of us in this room that we would understand what it actually looks like to seek first your kingdom. God, rather than focusing so much time and so much energy on what we feel like we need, that we feel like we know what's best for us, God, we begin to turn our focus up to you and trust you for the things that we need. God, we begin to seek first your kingdom and live that out. And watch as you begin to fill, fulfill the needs that we have. God, I pray that you would help us to do that. God, I pray if there are students in the room tonight that have never submitted control over to you, have never trusted you as their Savior, don't know what it looks like to enter into a relationship with you, God, I pray tonight would be the night where they turn over the keys to you and you radically begin to change their life. God, help us to seek first your kingdom and you will give us everything we need. In Jesus' name, amen.